0: Good morning, everybody. Uh, we've got the door shut at the back, so that means it's time to begin. Uh, we want to welcome each and every one of you here this morning to the West Irwin Church of Christ. We're glad you're here. We know that you'll be uplifted, and uh, we will lift up one another as well. Know that God is blessed by our presence and, and uh, certainly a good place to be uh, this time of day on Sunday morning. Uh, first of all, I want to say our uh, new website is up and running. Uh, you can use the QR code is the best way to get into it from what I understand I'm not a technical genius by any means and I'd like to thank uh, Eric Mosley and Sharon Hammond f- for working on this project it's been a project that's been uh, time-consuming uh, especially for Eric and we want to thank him uh, for all that he's done also our marriage workshop reconnect uh, we'll begin Saturday and Sunday, September the 24th and 25th. Registration begins today, and speaking of that, you can use that new website to register. So if you hadn't already done that, let's get that done. And there's a flyer in the bulletin today uh, regarding the workshop, so uh, let's give it thought and uh, get, that, get registered, and uh, know that'll be uh, meaningful for all those who attend. Uh, on our prayer and care list this morning, uh, Kathy Culpepper's uh, mother, Patsy Bullard, is an uh, undergoing test. I don't know the specifics of it, but uh, that needs to be passed along. And also, Melanie Benson's uh, father-in-law uh, has started chemo, so let's keep him in our prayers. Others we want to uh, mention this morning are... Our love and sympathy is extended to Suzanne Perkins and the family and the loss of her father, Jamon Kirby, former elder and longtime member at West Irwin. He passed away Friday, August 12th, from pneumonia. He was 90 years old. Services will be Saturday the 20th at 11 a.m. here at West Irwin, and visitation will follow after service. And he was a vital part of this church. I think that he did a lot for the young people. When I say young people, I mean 20 to 35. Uh, in fact, i asked Sharon on a first date uh, at their house when they were having an event. So, anyway, a little bit special. Also, our love and sympathy is extended to Dan and Sue Skipper, or Danny, I'm sorry, Danny and Sue Skipper, whose grandson, Dakota Charles Millsap, died unexpectedly on Thursday, August 4th, at his home in Lake City, Arkansas. He was the son of Michael and Michelle Millsap. And there'll be a private service this on August 14th at the Cross Point Church uh, in Grand Prairie. So let's let's keep those families in our prayer. When I was uh, growing up, I grew up in a small congregation. There's probably 150 people. And there was a lot of things I was involved with because we didn't have many youth. Uh, I did announcements, communion, whatever they asked me to do. And one Sunday morning, uh, I arrived in... Uh, none of the song leaders were there. So they said, David, you want to lead singing? I said, sure. And that was the last time they ever asked me to lead singing. (laughs) I'm just saying, I love to sing, but I'm not a good singer. You ask my wife, my daughters, anybody that sits around me, Rusty. Uh, But there's one being, one God, that thinks I am the best singer in this world. So. Let's everybody sing out today, whether you sing like me or you sing like a bird or Shania Twain or whoever, you know. Let's just sing out, everybody. Uh, I'd like to read from Colossians 2, verse 7. Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Let us go to our Father in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing power and and the amazing work that you do in our lives. Thank you for your goodness and for your blessings over us. Thank you for the hope that you give us through even the toughest of times, strengthening, strengthening us for your purpose. Thank you for your great love and care, for your love and mercy and grace. Thank you that you will always be with us and never leave our side. Thank you for the incredible sacrifice that you have made uh, to give us a chance of eternal life and that we will share this great blessing with others. Renew our spirits, fill us with peace and joy, and set our hearts and eyes on you each day. We pray for your church around the world and here here at West Irwin, that we may do and say the right things, that we may be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to anger. At this time, we bring before you the families of Jamon Kirby and Dakota Millsap and the the passing of their uh, fathers, Lord. We give uh, thanks for all those who have had successful procedures, uh, recent procedures. And we pray for your blessings on those who will soon be having upcoming surgeries and, and other procedures, Lord, those on our prayer and care list. We ask that you be with each and every one of them. For you are the great physician, and you know our needs. We pray for our upcoming marriage seminar, that we will be better, make us better husbands, wives, parents, and Christians. We pray that we will be better servants to each other and to the church. We rejoice with Walker Soup, Tanner Transier, Cohen Monahan in the recent baptism, and pray that they will have long and meaningful Christian lives. We pray your blessing on this church that we, may, we will be faithful Christians, that we may reach out to the lost, that we may love and lift up one another, and that we may share the good and bad times with one another. And to forgive us, and to forgive, Lord, as you've forgiven us. We thank you so much. Now let us stand and sing in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us stand and sing loud first two songs. Thank you.
1: To God be the glory, great things he, he hath done, so, so loved he, loved the, loved. the world and the world.
2: So we have this time set apart for us to focus on Christ in the Last Supper. We focus our time in our failures, the opportunity in Christ, and all he's done for us. John 1, 14 through 17 says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace, in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth have come through Jesus Christ. As we focus on the body and the bread, we think about the agony that the body took as Christ was laid on that cross, the beatings, the the whip, him being whipped, all the things, the, the torn flesh, everything that as he was human on that cross that he took on for us. Every one of us in this room. So as we as we go in our in prayer, focus your minds on who he is to you individually and what that grace looks like for us. Pray with me. Father God, thank you for who you are, that you would send your son so full of grace, so full of mercy, everything for each and every one of us, that you love us so much, that so much agony would be given for us to have a home and a place with you. Father, as we look at our, our failures, you build us up in the grace that you've given us. Father, as we look back and we see such filth, through him you see light. Through him you see us as beautiful. Be with us as we take this time, as we focus our minds on you and who you are to us. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. As we take this cup, we remember the blood, the blood that was shed for us. As that pierced, as the spear pierced the side, blood and water came. The fulfillment. The blood that washes us white as snow. The grace that, that is all-inclusive. For any person, any place, anywhere, no matter your stature, no matter your your wealth, your poverty, no matter. For every person. So as we take this time and we drink this cup, focus your minds on what that means to you. What that grace looks like. Focus your minds on how much love that that is. Pray with me. Father God, as we come before you, taking this cup, we focus our minds on what that blood looks like in our lives. What you look like in our lives. Father, and how we can glorify you and take you to anybody in the world that you want us to seek out your kingdom and bring others to it. Father, that that moment of bloodshed for us individually. We're so blessed by that. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Through this time, we also look at the contribution. We look at an opportunity of giving. As Christ is given to us, we should give. We should take time, monies. Given to this church with so many ministries throughout the world. But also here. Ministries with our youth. Ministries with our marriage. Ministries with our young at heart. So many people here and across the world are affected by the monies given here. Time, love, kindness, grace are all things we can give in a contribution. So give freely, give fully with a happy heart in all that you do. Will you pray with me? Father God, we are humble and awed by your giving to us. Awed by the grace and the wonderment of who you are. Father, as we leave this place, as we take this time, as we leave this place, let us go seek the world. Let us show your grace to everybody. Let us show your kingdom and show a light of who you are to us and everybody that we interact with. As we fail you often, you're still standing by right with us. Please, Father, focus our minds on you and let us go out and affect the world. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.
1: It's time for the blast program, if you're involved in that. And if you would help facilitate that by standing with us as we sing before Bill's lesson. My hope is built on nothing glass and Jesus blood
3: Good morning. Hello to all who are here and to all of those who are uh, worshiping with us online as a part of our church family today. We appreciate you very, very much and your willingness to remain connected with us, even though you are a, a distance away from us physically. It's a great blessing for Joyce and me to be back. We enjoyed a a week full of family and fun in Nashville, Tennessee, we had both of our daughters and their husbands and all four of our gloriously wonderful, intelligent, beautiful, gifted grandchildren with us for several days. Four children under 12. Four. <laughs> under 12. In the same house. Thankfully, it was a big house, and we did have a, a wonderful time and got to see the uh, Hall of Fame, uh, the uh, Opry Hall of Fame Museum, the Country Music Hall of Fame. We got to see a Grand Ole Opry show, which was glorious. We got to spend a lot of time with our family, and that was a, um, it was all just a wonderful, wonderful week, and I appreciate all of those who helped uh, cover things here and did such a great, great job, and what a blessing it is for us to be able Uh, to do that. Congratulations to those families who are celebrating baptisms. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. We are so happy uh, to hear that news and uh, are grateful for uh, the wonderful families here that reach into their own family and reach out to others as well, and the wonderful ministries, as Chad said, that we have going on here that you provide, uh, either directly through your involvement or indirectly through your giving, that make it possible for all of those wonderful, good things to happen in this community and around the world. As Chad said, I agree 100%, 100%. I hope that you got a bulletin, and I hope that you notice the Reconnect Marriage Workshop with Owen and Lauren Mar- uh, Mitchell. that's going to take place next month. Uh, and uh, perhaps you have tried to find the website, and if you're having a little trouble with that, our apologies. That's still a little bit of a work in progress But as uh, our shepherd David Hammond shared, Eric Mosley and Sharon Hammond have done a huge amount of work uh, to make that happen. And I can tell you that the ones who did find it said it looks wonderful. (laughs) So that is a a great blessing. Be sure and tell them how much their ministry is appreciated. On the back of that is that QR code that we mentioned earlier. And just a few moments ago, I actually got my cell phone out, put it in camera mode, and pointed it towards that. And it took me to the website. So hooray if you haven't been able to get to westerwin.com just yet. Uh, try to do that and it'll come. And if you haven't been able to do that yet today. I have a feeling that by the end of the day. Or certainly in the next couple of days. That will be remedied, and the reason I can I can say that is because I'm not doing it, <laughs> and that means it has a chance to be successful. So I'm looking forward to uh, a lot of folks, a lot of marriages, a lot of families being helped by this wonderful, wonderful uh, workshop that you are able to uh, register for uh, starting today. We have some extra uh, flyers out in the foyer on at the information booth, and so if there are a few folks that aren't here with you today that you know might be benefited from that, then please go ahead and do that. We've also sent those out uh, with a letter from me to area churches, and we're looking forward to having a good turnout on September 24th. I've been sharing with you about um, the Ten Commandments in a series called The Ten Questions, looking at each of those Ten Commandments and broadening them out a little bit and applying them for us today here in 21st century Tyler, Texas. And as you've seen, I'm sure we, we read these, and they're uh, absolutely incredible uh, in the application that they have in our lives, even today, and we'll certainly see that in the one we cover uh, this morning. But I want to begin with a question. Have you ever been robbed? Have you ever been robbed? If you've ever been robbed, raise your hand. Okay, several, several. Uh, Joyce and I have been robbed. We got married in May of 1977. I was 20, she was 4. And uh, after graduating from Oklahoma Christian College two years later, we moved back to San Antonio and started working in ministry full-time with the Lackland Terrace Church of Christ. Uh, We bought a tiny, tiny little track home after we had rented for a while. And uh, I mean tiny track home. And, uh, and so after a couple of years uh, of marriage, and uh, not quite a year of uh, ministry there in San Antonio, in 1979, uh, on Memorial Day weekend, we went to go visit my brother. My brother has lived in Derriter, Louisiana, and also in the Orange Beaumont Golden Triangle area uh, of Southeast Texas as well. And uh, so we were going we to go visit him. And so we did, and her sister, her older sister was going to come by the house and check on the house, check on the cat, you know, all the necessary things that you do when you're away. Well, about the time that we were getting ready to come home, we get a call from her, and she said, you've been robbed. You've been robbed. I noticed something funny with the door. It looks like they broke in through the back, and they carted off a whole lot of stuff. Now, we had only been married two years. We didn't have much, but we wanted to keep everything we had, <laughs> and so they came in and they took a, a lot of things we didn 't have anything of real value, but they took a lot of things some of Joyce's costume jewelry and some other things like that. They took a not an expensive but a guitar acoustic guitar that I had. They wrapped some things up in blankets, they took a, a clock off the wall that we had bought, I think at best products, not Best Buy, but best products, and, and a couple of sconces with it that her mother had given us and and we came back, and it was that eerie, horrible feeling um, that you have. And I'll I'll share a little bit about something else that they uh, took that was more of, of value in a little bit. But it was it, it's one of those things where you just you just you can't explain the feeling uh, when someone has been through your stuff, has taken your things, and has violated your privacy in uh, a way like uh, few others. The first four of the Ten Commandments deal directly with our relationship with God. These are the vertical ones. The last six, more of these than the other, are the horizontal ones, how we are to treat each other. Commandment number five, treat those in authority with respect and consideration. The question that I shared with that one is this, is respect just a great Aretha song? Commandment number six, hold all human life sacred. And the question was, do you value life? Commandment number seven, keep marriage honorable and pure. The question was two weeks ago, does culture overrule Scripture? And today is commandment number eight. And I want to put it this way, don't steal, give. Don't steal, give. Exodus 20 verse 15 simply says, you shall not steal, thou shalt not steal. Steal. And so the question that I am titling this sermon with today are these Who provides what you need? And do you trust Him to do that? Who really provides what you need, in your opinion? And do you trust Him to do that? So, a few things about this number eight. Commandment. Commandment number eight. First of all, do you trust God to provide your needs or yourself? Do you trust God to provide your needs or yourself, your own skills, your own job, your own uh, financial situation? Do you trust God to provide your needs or yourself? A couple of passages. One, the familiar passage in Matthew 6 from Jesus. But first of all, this passage in Proverbs chapter 30. This is one of those where I always have to smile because I forget it's there until I'm reminded in preparing a lesson or something like that. And perhaps you've never uh, noticed these. Perhaps you have. But this is Proverbs 30 beginning at verse 7. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, verse 8 says, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible on giving because it examines it from both perspectives. It doesn't just speak to the rich, it doesn't just speak to the poor. It speaks to all of us. And it's interesting that the wise man in Proverbs says, "God, don't let me don't let me go too far either way. Don't let me be so poor that I'm tempted to steal." Because scripture says, "Thou shalt not. You shall not steal." But the writer also says, don't let me be too rich. Because if I'm too rich, I'll depend on myself and not on you. In his words, I'll be tempted to say, who is the Lord? Basically, what do I need God for? I've got plenty of money. I've got plenty of savings. I've got a good job. I've got my health. I've got great position. I've made good financial decisions all my life. Who is the Lord? Why do I need him? I'm doing just fine by myself. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Do you trust God to provide your needs or do you trust yourself? Certainly we understand Scripture says faith without works is dead, and that certainly applies here. So kids, I'm not saying you can quit school because God's going to provide all your needs. Sorry, (laughs) we're not going to go there. And I'm not going to say quit your job and buy a white robe and go stand on the highest mountain and watch for the Lord to provide it. There's nothing biblical about that. But there's also nothing biblical about working so hard and making a good life and providing for yourself and being in a good possession and then looking at yourself and saying, I did this. Who is the Lord? Somehow we've got to be able to go through those times of poverty without giving in to that temptation to take what's not ours, but also go through those times of blessing and not give in to the temptation to trust in ourselves rather than in the one who has provided all those things. Through the blessings, perhaps, we've worked hard for. This familiar passage in Matthew 6, it's one that Joyce reminds our girls of pretty much (laughs) regularly, and all of us need that reminder as well. In Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 19, "'Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven.' where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So let's pause right there for a moment. All of us who have been robbed understand exactly what Jesus is talking about. No matter how great and wonderful and treasured those things are that we have, they can wear out, they can be destroyed, they can be stolen. And they're gone, just like that. And if the things that you value most in life can be stolen and destroyed, then you're valuing the wrong things if they're your top priority. It's okay to appreciate them, to even value them, but not that high on the list. That last verse I read, verse 21, is the key. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Why is this so important, Bill? Because it's a window into what's in our heart. Just like we said when we were talking about our language a few weeks ago, the thing that Jesus says that cuts me to the chase is, you'll know what's in your heart by the words that come out of your mouth. In the same way he says here, where you build your treasure That's the indication of where your heart is. And we all know how important what we have in our hearts is to God. Let's skip down a little bit in Matthew 6 to verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I would say you cannot serve both God and blank. And you fill in the blank, whatever it is. For the rich young ruler, it was money. And that's why Jesus told him, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and come back and follow me. Because that was the one thing that was separating him from God and that close personal relationship. And as God is prone to do, Jesus told him to tear that wall and barrier down. Whatever that is, you can't serve God and anything else, including money, And then starting in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? And then he goes on and he talks about the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And he says, look how God takes care of them. And aren't you so much more valuable to God than birds and flowers? They're beautiful but they're not as beautiful in God's eyes as you are. And if God takes such good care of those, will he not take even greater care of you? Verse 32 says, For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. When we become materialistic, when we trust in the things rather than in the God who provides them, we have become just like those who are unbelievers because that's what they do. Instead, verse 33 and 34, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I'd venture to say some days have more trouble than just one day's worth, <laughs> but we can trust them all to God. Just as we sang a little bit earlier, as Rusty led us, seek ye first. The kingdom of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That great statement in Deuteronomy that Jesus picks up on when he's tempted by Satan to trust in the physical. Turn these stones into bread. Rather than in the one who provides. And in the word of God. Do you trust God to provide your needs or yourself? The greatest example of this tension is seen in this video clip. It's from one of my favorite movies, the movie Shenandoah. If you can watch that movie in the last scene without uh, uh, wet eyes, uh, then you probably need to have your tear ducts checked. But this is not the clip that we're going to see right now. This is a clip earlier of the great Jimmy Stewart.
0: Lord, we cleared this land. We plowed it, sowed it, and harvested We cooked the harvest. It wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be eating it if we hadn't done it all ourselves. We work dog bone hard for every crumb and morsel, but we thank you just the same anyway, Lord, for this food we're about to eat. Amen.
3: But we thank you anyway just the same, Lord. Amen. (laughs) You know, Jimmy Stewart in that scene takes uh, faith without works is dead to a whole new level. (laughs) Do you trust God? to provide your needs or yourself. Secondly, this morning, how can you tell if you trust God to provide your needs? Bill, I want to trust God. I'm not sure if I do or not. How do I know? And that's where the rest of the message today goes. How can you tell if you trust God to provide your needs? Number one, you don't steal. (laughs) You don't steal. You don't deliberately violate the will of God in order to provide for your needs. You know you're not trusting in God when that happens. Again, the passage in Proverbs 30, also this one in Ephesians 4, Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Those who are stealing should stop it. It's wrong. And try to find some other legitimate way to provide for yourself. And if the church can help, that's what we're here for. We help each other. We help the community. But when we trust in God, we're not going to go against His will to provide for our physical needs. We'll try to find His way to make that happen. I think of the summer of 2020 and the horrible things that we saw starting at that time, still going on, sometimes in some places even today, where rightful and appropriate protests were shanghaied by individuals who trusted in themselves and their things, rather than in what was right. And so there was vandalism, and there was assault, and there was theft, and it cannot be justified. Honesty, integrity, respect of yourself and others. That's what we call each other to. That's what we want to have. That's what we want to see. People who are honest, people who have integrity, people who respect not just themselves and their things, but the things of others. How do you know if you trust God to provide your needs? Number one, you don't steal. Number two, you are grateful. You are grateful. One of the passages listed there is Colossians 3, which calls on us to encourage each other with our songs and hymns and songs of the Spirit or spiritual songs. And it says, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. David shared this earlier about our singing. And I'm going to say more about this in a message coming up next month. But again, are you singing to God (laughs) or are you singing to someone else? If you're lifting up your heart in song and praise and devotion to God is based on the song leader or the song selection. Then you're singing to the wrong person. We sing from our hearts and we sing out loud and sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. <laughs> I sing Binner. <clears throat> the bass is too low, the tenor is too high. So I sing bitter, and that means I go back and forth. When Rusty gets into the high part of the song, I drop down to bass. When he's at the lower part of the song, I move up to tenor. I look bad when I'm sitting around Joyce and the girls because they sing really well. But that's not what God hears. He hears a heart of gratitude exploding in song and praise and worship of God. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything. Why? Because you trust God, not your circumstances. You trust God, not yourself. How can you tell if you trust God to provide your needs? You don't steal and you are grateful. It's what the psalmists all said. Number three, you give. You give. How do you know if you trust God to provide your needs and not yourself? You give. You don't hold on to your things like this. You hold on to them like this. Yes, you still hold on to them. You still manage them. They're still yours from that perspective. But it's not with a closed fist that says, go ahead, try to take it from me. But rather, it's with an open hand that says, what I have that you need, I'll share. That's why God provided me with it. That's the whole theology of giving in Scripture, Old Testament and New. God provides us with jobs, with abilities, with gifts, with things, so that we can use those to help others that have not been so richly blessed. We can use those things to spread his word of love and grace. Paul to Timothy while he was in Ephesus told him, tell those who are rich in this present world, not what Jesus told the rich young ruler to go sell everything and come follow me, but rather tell those who are rich in this world not to trust in their riches, but with gratitude in their hearts to be willing to share with those in need. How do you know if you trust God and not yourself to provide your needs? You give. You give. The principles that Paul shares in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 mirror those that Malachi shared, the Old Testament prophet, hundreds of years before. Saying, look, I want you to give as you've been prospered. I want you to trust me. And your giving reflects that. And it's almost as if God is saying this. I double dog dare you. I double dog dare you to give as you've been prospered and see if I don't make your blessings overflow. See if I don't provide you with everything you need and more. See if the words of my son in Matthew 6 don't come true, that you will be provided for just like God provides for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field and even better because he loves you so much more. You give. Jesus said in John 10, the Son of Man has come and is the good shepherd and is the one who provides for the sheep. But he also said this, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to have the full, full life. The abundant life that material things can't bring. They can't. They can't. You give just as Jesus gave. And so this question, is what's yours really yours? We say, "Oh yeah, that, you know, that that five percent, that ten percent, that twenty percent that I give to God, that's His, and the rest is mine." Is it? Is it? Is what's yours really yours? A more biblical view of that is that it's all God's. Every part of it is God's, and He's called on me to use it in ways that honor Him and help others, and. Yes, serve my family and provide me enjoyment and others' enjoyment that I love. All of those things are true, and there's nothing wrong with that, nothing bad about that. But remember, it's all His, all of it. And when we give back for the work and ministry and life of the church, that's a good, good thing. We use it all responsibly and respectfully to the God who provides it, realizing that what is Ours isn't really ours, (laughs) that it's God's to begin with. It's God's while I have it, and it's God's when I share it. How can you tell if you trust God to provide your needs? You don't steal. You're grateful, and you give. A few things before we close today. First of all, there are honest people in the world today. There are honest people in the world today. You know, when, I was, uh, when jo- Joyce and I were traveling back and forth from San Antonio to uh, Oklahoma City for, for college and all of that, uh, one of those times, I had a senior ring from South San Antonio High School. I was very proud of that ring. And on one of those trips, we stopped in a restroom at a gas station. And I went in, and I went to the restroom, and I, you know, did what you're supposed to do, and that's wash my hands, and I took off my ring and washed my hands and dried them off and walked out left my ring on that sink. And I thought it was gone forever. I mean, I couldn't even remember which place it was, much less call them and see if they, anybody had turned it in. And so weeks went by, and I thought, well, that's, that's gone. That's gone. Ended up graduating from college at Oklahoma Christian, got a bachelor's degree, got my ring, took great care of it. And then lo and behold, I get a call one day. Hi, is this William H. Allen, Jr.? Yes. Did you go to South San Antonio High School? Yes. Did you graduate in 1975? Yes. We have your senior ring. What? (laughs) I mean, if somebody wanted to do the good thing, how, how in the world would they know how to do that? Well, you see, the trick is, for those of us that are a bit forgetful at times, go to a school that has the name of the city in the name of the school. South San Antonio High School. And make sure that the year you graduated is on the ring, which most are. And then make sure that your initials or name are carved inside the ring. They sent that ring back to South Sand High School. South Sand looked up the records from 1975. Found me and called me. And they sent that ring back to me. There are still honest people in the world today. Amazing. Well... Joyce and I, you know, continued, and I, I one, one, one year we were going to go on a trip, and I thought, you know, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to take a chance. I'm not going to take either one of my senior rings on this trip. It was Memorial Day weekend, 1979, and I safely left them at home when we were robbed. Never recovered. It's just stuff. It's just things. Things that can be destroyed. Things that can be worn out. Things that can be stolen. It's just stuff. Stuff that I would have preferred to hang on to. (laughs) By the way, I have a master's degree ring. I didn't trust myself to get the doctor ministry ring, but I got the master's degree ring, and I'm pretty sure it's in the safety deposit box. <laughs> there are honest people in the world today. There are hard workers and good givers in the world today. A lot of them are right, sitting right here. A lot of them are watching online. There are hard workers and good givers in the world today, including in this church. Some might be considered wealthy, some not. That's not the determining factor. But they are all grateful for their blessings and recognize that all they have is really the Lord's. They acknowledge that in spite of how hard they've worked or how smart they've been, their blessings are gifts from God and are used for His glory and not their own. And so they hold on to those blessings with an open hand and willingly, cheerfully, faithfully share their blessings with others. They trust in the one who provides for all their needs and more. I hope you do. "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord." you need to come to that one that you can trust, come as we stand, sing our song together. Tis so
4: sweet to trust in Jesus.
1: You so much for everything that you provide for us uh, uh, the things that we know about and the things that we don't really think about everything comes from you you have blessed us in so many ways we we can't even count that high but we thank you for being our father and our god in heaven we thank you for this time we've had to come together to sing to learn to to pray to remember your son jesus we ask you to be those with those that are hurting and suffering in some way uh, having medical treatments, lost loved ones. There's there's a lot of hurt. And we ask that you please comfort those and heal those if it be your will. And we ask that you be with us as we leave this place. We ask you to please forgive us of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen.